Hi, this is Terry Kavanaugh, and you're listening to Into the Night, the Moon Knight podcast. Yes, welcome back, loony listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, the Moon Knight podcast. <laughs> this is episode 162. You are with your high priest of Ray. Uh, thank you for joining us. And with me is a, a good friend and a, a podcaster himself, no stranger to the show, the Drop King, Phil. Phil, welcome. Hey, thanks, Ray. I'm sure everyone's sick of hearing me by now. <laughs> no, no, not at all. This is going to be. Uh, I'm looking forward to this uh, episode actually, and it's okay. it's good to have you on board because uh, Looney listeners will be covering a an over the moon arc review thanks to the last quarter moon, uh, and uh, Sir Phil and I will be covering the arc of Mark Spector Moon Knight issues 35 to 38 Blood Brothers by Terry Kavanagh and Ron Garney. Now, there's also another reason why Phil is here. Uh, is because Phil and I, we did conduct a chat with Terry and Howard Mackey, and uh, we'll be playing some excerpts of that chat throughout the show, uh, which will be very exciting, getting a bit of insight into Terry and Howard's, um, and you'll understand why Howard Mackey kind of uh, is involved in this, um, how they kind of approached Moon Knight. So a lot of fun there. Uh, A big mention also that the Petrunis, our Valley Petrunis, I might as well say it now, a big shout out to... To Justin, Dustin, Wayne, Josh, James, Russell, and Anthony, thank you so much for all your support. Uh, and the uh, Frenchie, Frenchie and above tier Petrunis will be gaining uh, exclusive access to the full chat, which Phil and I uh, did, which is a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, it, I think it's one hour, 50 minutes or so. So a lot, we covered a lot more than just Moon Knight. We went everywhere. Um, about Marvel, uh, even about Scarlet Spider, which we'll talk about a bit later, Phil, uh, as well. So, anyway, uh, welcome, welcome, uh, Phil. Welcome to the show. Uh, how are things? Um, what's been happening? It's been it's been ages since we've corresponded. Wink, wink, <laughs> nudge, nudge. <laughs> as far as the public's known, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> no, things are good. Uh, things are going good on the podcast. Well, the two podcasts, Capes and Lunatics, Capes and Lunatics, Sidekicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of big interviews coming, so. Yeah, look, I, I wanted to ask anyway, um, what, what is in the works, Phil? Like, might as well, um, if you can divulge in anything, uh, what are some of the projects in, in, in Capes and Lunatics and Capes and Lunatics sidekicks that you can uh, let the listeners know about? Well, towards the uh, end of this month, that, well, as you know, Ray's going to join me for a uh, big chat with uh, Mr. D.D. DG Chichester, who did uh, a lot of Daredevil, write, uh, wrote a lot of Daredevil in the 90s. Like, I think it's like from issues 292 to 342. Some, mm, yeah, big, big. Huge, it was that whole fall from grace, fall of the kingpin, all of that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you and I are going to talk to him. And then towards the beginning of October, Charlie Esser and I are going to talk to uh, Kelly Thompson about, awesome. her, about her new Black Widow series because I. 
I contacted her because issue one just came out and I was like, hey, can we talk? And she's like, oh, maybe he's like, she's like, if it's OK, can we wait till October? She says, we should wait till after issue two. Oh, so really? I'm thinking something big's coming in issue two. Oh, yeah. Geez. So have you have you read issue one yet? I've, I've still got to pick it up. Um, I've got it in my my pull list. Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, yep. it kind of ends with like a whole mystery thing. So, yeah. So I'm wondering if issue two is like we get how we get the answer and stuff and. Yeah, I've been enjoying the last couple, the last few Black Widow runs. Um, mm-hmm. The I love the one, is it the Soski sisters? Um, they did one, uh, it was a darker one. It was one right before, I think, the one before, sorry, Kelly, Kelly Thompson's one is, is it the Web of the Widow or something like that? It's um, Jodie Hauser? I think yeah. so. I didn't I didn't read that one, but uh, she That's was good. in... Yeah, she was in. It wasn't too. I forget when it was. It's been the, within the last year or two. Uh, there was a. Did you see that Tales of Suspense? I think it was like one hundred through. It was like one hundred one through one hundred five because it like picked up on that old numbering. But it was oh. like Black Widow, Hawkeye, and Winter Soldier. Oh, nice. Yeah, you know, because I'm I'm very much looking forward to Kelly Thompson's one. Big fan yeah. of hers. Um, she's she's just a great writer. I, I reckon she's probably one of my favorites at Marvel at the moment. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, exciting. And but you have a couple of milestones as well, do you? Coming up, um, or is that no? Maybe two. Uh, no? yeah, well, at the towards the end of the year for our ultimate okay, recap, okay. we're gonna have the one hundred one hundredth episode. Yeah, we're gonna be doing a live read there, which you're gonna be a part of. So yeah, it should be fun. Yeah, be good. Yeah, so a lot a lot happening there. We'll um we'll we'll shout out the Capes and Lunatics and and the sidekicks um towards our spectacle call as well later in the show for details. Patroonies and loonies, if you if you want to get in on that, if you haven't already, I don't know why you haven't, uh, but you should. It's it's a really fun, uh, fun show, fun thousand shows that that Phil does. So, oh, listen to you, like, <laughs> oh well, you know, <laughs> I'm just a, I'm just the poor understudy to your to your uh, <laughs> main actor. Um, anyway, I forgot to mention as well. Uh, apart from our fabulous Patroonies, uh, a big shout out to our two sponsors as well. Hello headphones, empowering gamers to play at their best, and Dreamland Comics. From Illinois, the superhero superstore, uh, very much appreciated as well. Uh, again, I'll, I'll shout out some discounts towards the end of the show. Right, so so Loonies, this is going to be exciting. We're back into our arc review. Um, so before we get into that, I wanted to play some excerpts of of our chat with Terry and and Howard as well. So I guess Phil, overall thoughts. What, what did you think of the chat? Was it was it fun? How did how did you um what, how did you perceive Terry and Howard um, as as uh, professionals and gentlemen? Oh, it was a great chat. They seemed like really nice guys, and I liked that they had like this big camaraderie that seemed to go back like that. That's it has gone back decades, and you could tell these guys are like yeah. friends, and, like enjoyed their time together and stuff. Yeah, yeah, they were they're really cool. Um, they they pretty much didn't mind ribbing at each other every now and again, nope. uh, and. And I think what what we really appreciated as well was um, they had a real close affinity to uh, to Mark Grunwald, um, who you and I, you know, we are you know, big big fans of his. Um, the the Quantum Zone Quasar podcast very much kind of revolves around uh, Grunwald's writing in Quasar, um, so it was really really fun to hear. Uh, but not only that as well, we we broached many subjects. Uh, 
loonies we we talked uh stuff about how it was to work in the marvel office uh what what it was like uh the kind of dynamic between the i guess the levels they talked about levels 10 and 11 uh talked about mark grunwald talked about being able to just chat and talk about the stuff they loved, but as a professional meeting. And, and like, uh, I know Phil and I, I reckon we both work pretty green um, with Envy. That would be just the, the dream job, I think. Uh, but we managed to catch some, um, I guess, their thoughts and, and Terry's um, on on his run on Mark Spector Moon Knight. So he had quite a substantial run here, Phil. Uh, we know Mark Spector Moon Knight is a, about a 60-issue run. It's, it's one of the, the longest the longest one for, for Moon Knight. Uh, he came on uh, at the beginning of Blood Brothers, so 35 up to 60, so a good 25 issues. Um, and so what I'm going to play here now, just his response, Terry's response to, I asked him like how Moon Knight was perceived within the Marvel office because I always found that a bit curious, um, Phil, because... Um, from my point of view, and I'm not sure about you, uh, Moon Knight seems seem to hang around a lot. Like, yeah. um, for such a, a fringe character, he seemed to still be, uh, I, I guess, in the periphery of a lot of creators. But anyway, this is what this is what Terry said. I also know that what we faced from marketing was a perception that Moon Knight wasn't as firmly entrenched in the Marvel Universe as he could have been. Mm -hmm. And I'm not really sure why, because he would appear in other books. There were a lot of uh, crossovers involving him, but I'm pretty sure that's what led to the Doctor Doom story arc. Like, Doctor Doom is as Marvel as it gets. So, likely, Joey suggested we do a story arc with Doctor Doom. Again, I can't 100% swear to that, but that seems likely to me. And it is true that Moon Knight, uh, whether or not he was as firmly entrenched in the Marvel Universe, didn't seem to inspire the interest of the creators in the industry as much as one would think. If I remember correctly, my entire 125 issues of of, um, editing Marvel Comics Presents, no one even pitched an eight-page single issue movie uh moon knight story to me i just don't remember there being that kind of interest in the character within the the marvel offices or necessarily from the fan base okay that's great to um hear because that was one of the questions i was going to ask earlier on and like how he was perceived during that time i would have thought potentially around the 90s and stuff, he would have played into that whole, like, we got the big characters like Ghost Rider, Punisher, Wolverine, uh, the X-Men were doing very well, but, like, more so the, the vigilantes like uh, Ghost Rider and Punisher and, and the, the edgier characters. Uh, Moon Knight, for me, seems to fall into that mould as well, and, and I thought maybe um, that had kind of flagged him as, as a, I guess, a person of interest in, in, in the office, the Marvel office, but you're right, I guess um, there hasn't been too much... That he'd popped up, and he always seems to pop up. Um, and he has a, he has a. Um, I mean, the Mark Spector Moon Knight title was the longest running, so sixty issues. That was. Yep. I mean, you don't get that these days. Um, so. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was uh, that was Terry's response to uh, to Moon Knight perceived in the Marvel within the Marvel office. Quite surprising for me, Phil. I, I would have thought that. I don't. Know, it just seemed that he had. 
more in the latter day, I guess, um, he has he has really good writers and artists that kind of gravitate towards Moon Knight as a character. So it was quite interesting to hear that Cherry, yeah, felt it was otherwise. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just you never really know with those, like, you know, in the early 90s, it's like they had so many characters. So it's like it's, sometimes it's hard to tell, you know, who, well, you know who got the big spotlights were Spider-Man, the X-Men, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, interesting as well what Cherry mentions about, so he alludes to uh, issues 38 and 39, which came directly after the ARC review that we're going to do tonight, uh, about Dr. Doom uh, and, and Joey, the editor. Uh, an interesting choice, but I can understand, like, Doom is, it's pretty much the, I reckon he'd be the face of Marvel, like, villains, mm-hmm. before Thanos, right? Yeah, I mean, if you really want to test your hero in the Marvel Universe, you bring in Doom, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so very cool, uh, and we've, we we kind of covered that in one of our previous episodes, I think, with Josh... Geronimo! Johnson, really a cool um, little arc there, two issues. Uh, but yeah, interesting that there's not much interest at all. Uh, I wonder how, before, I guess, the, the advent of, of how widespread the, the internet was feel um if there were any pockets of of moon knight kind of fans i'm sure there were but to actually get them to come together would be a bit difficult um yeah i mean and and again these are like the days of well pre-internet remember remember those dark days ray before the internet and and like before we had like tv shows and movies out the wazoo How, how how do you like how do you how did you do it then phil you know, pre-internet. How did you um, convene with other other comic book fans? Are your your friends just naturally are they comic book fans as well? Or I mean, like my friends, like the people I'd go to school with and stuff. I mean, they might pick up a comic every so often. But yeah, back in those days, that's why I love podcasting so much. Now it's like back mm. in those days, I didn't get a lot of like back and forth talk with yeah. people. This stuff. It was mostly just me, and you know, I liked what I liked. I, like to you know i didn't like what i didn't like and hey i picked up a wizard magazine so yeah yeah nah it's wizard magazine pretty much yeah 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 exactly wizard was um wizard was the internet for me back in those days and a little bit to an extent but i was like you know like yourself again uh phil and i we we come from the same winery (laughs) same vintage um Back in those at the LCS, um, it was back in the day. It was King's still for me. I went to King, uh, to King's all the way back there. So, loonies may know that King's is my my LCS of choice here in Sydney. Uh, great, the, the best super best store in the universe. Um, anyway, they were my go to back then. There was a little banter back and forth, but being like a like a, a young teenager, it's not exactly that I'd spend hours, you know, chatting with these full grown up adults, you know, about about comics. I hope not. Yeah, back in like well <laughs> till probably like the mid nineties at least, like, yeah, I went to uh I'm sure you I don't know if you had them down there, but we had newsstands where it was basically just you'd walk in a store and it would just be racks of like magazines and newspapers yep. and yep. yeah, and like until like the mid nineties or so, yeah, I was on you know, I was at the mercy of the newsstand because sometimes you go in, you'd, the newest issue wouldn't be there of something. Or yeah. uh, we even had just like spinner racks in like our local grocery stores and stuff. So yeah, you were, oh that you really were at the mercy of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had uh, we we called them news agents over here, newsstands, news agents. Um, they they certainly were my kind of um, 
you know, connection to comics as well. But they, they, uh, and incidentally, just kind of just briefly, Phil, uh, there's that Camelot, the Iron Man, Doctor Doom, 250. I remember picking that up at my newsagents. But they were like way um, out of time, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> Ironically. A lot of times I go in, I think I think They I were months been, old. Like, they yeah. might have been like, well, I think Years I was. Years old. Yeah, the ones I well the ones I went to they might have been like a month behind because like yeah pick something up and then in, like a few days later if I went to like a a comic book convention and like in those days any convention I went to is basically just like local stores or whoever just set up tables and stuff I'd go in and I'd be like oh, they have the next issue already how do they have the next yeah. issue already? <laughs> it was like a month behind yeah 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 I I remember first discovering um, there was another store uh, it was called Comic Kingdom in the mm-hmm. city that was the first lcs that i came across and i remember the first time i went in there going my god there's a store for comic books and like yeah exactly like you say like they're all they come out like on time it's uh yeah it was, re- it was really good um loonies we are we are kind of just having a bit of a chat here with phil uh the reason why we are is because uh we are no strangers to each other we also do feel a uh um another a monthly podcast on the capes and lunatic sidekicks brand oh yes the last tuesday of every month ray joins uh, me and matt kona to talk all things scarlet spider so yeah yeah check that out because uh ray's gonna be uh nice enough to give us some in uh excerpts from from the terry and uh interview for our scar for the, you know we talk some scarlet spider over there too yeah so that'll be pretty cool as well so loonies if you um if you want to hear more, and if you aren't a, a, a Patreon member, definitely, again, yeah, check out the Capes and Lunatics, the Ultimate Spider cast. Uh, last Tuesday of the month, um, where Phil, myself, and Matt, we, we look at Ben Riley. Yeah, and, and we'll drop in. Uh, I mean, they talked. Actually, I, I did a re-listen, Phil, of the chat, and it's a good, like, out of the... It's a good, I think, 30, 40 minutes we talk about um, the Clone Saga. So <laughs> uh, there's... I was just yeah. saying, well... Love it or hate it, it was a it was a big uh, historic thing in comics, the Clone Saga. So it was as well. It was interesting to get um, Terry and Howard's kind of reaction to it when we said it. Like, remember, they were kind of like almost as if wanting to sweep it under the rug and go, "Oh, it's not our fault." It's uh, <laughs> you know, they were kind of blaming each other. But yeah, it has its place in in um, comic book history. And uh, so if you want to hear that, Loonies, yeah, definitely um, check it out. That, I'll, I'll dr- we'll drop in a few of them, uh, a few points there. There are some really interesting um, uh, stories that they had um, to do with Tom DeFalco, um, how they wanted to see Ben Riley eventuate, stuff like that. Oh, and uh, for those of you who were reading uh, Spider-Man at the time, there was a storyline in Web of Spider-Man right before the Clone Saga started. I asked Terry Cavanaugh, who <laughs> was the side? So <laughs> That's that. right. That's right. If you want to know, <laughs> you can ask him that. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you want to know, Lenny's, if you are like Phil, uh, you're gonna have to tune in to uh, to the Scarlet mm-hmm. Spider episode to hear Terry's response. Uh, so yeah, uh, very cool stuff as well. So we we've got, geez, Phil, we got plenty. We got a wealth of stuff um, from both Terry and Howard. Very grateful to have that, and we'll sprinkle, as I said, Loonies, um throughout the show. Uh, now before. I guess before we really set ourselves into it, Phil, um, we might as well, I might as well drop another little uh, tidbit for the loonies as well. Um, so, uh, you know, speaking with, with Terry uh, about his Moon Knight run, uh, 
th- there was talk of, you know, we talked about many things about his run, ranging from 35 all the way to 60 as well. Uh, and uh, I guess one of them was that um, I had heard from another writer, i.e. Chuck Dixon apparently, that um, Moon Knight was going to take a certain angle, a, a certain direction in the Mark Spector Moon Knight run. And Loonies, we've talked about this before, I'm sure you you know where I'm heading. Uh, but anyway, uh, here's a little excerpt about what Terry thought of, about the lack of the multiple identities in the Mark Spector Moon Knight run and kind of what he wanted to do to try to interweave it in there as well. Uh, not only that, I'm going to also provide uh, in this little drop, Phil, uh, we talked a bit about the later run um, uh, towards the end, which got really kind of crazy, didn't it? Um, do you remember much of that? Some of it, I'm still a little, I'm scratching my head still a little at it. It was a pretty dense read towards the end. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I didn't read this like right when it came out. I probably first read this like about early mid 2000s. So it's kind of fresher in my mind. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of good ideas as well. So um, in this little drop as well, Terry talks about um, the, the hellbent. So a lot of loonies would know. Uh, Frenchie being involved in this, he's, he's got a, a particular bloodline, uh, and it was a really cool idea about the Hellbent. Um, and anyway, let let me throw it to Terry to uh, to let him explain. I really enjoyed that multiple personalities mm. aspect of I, when I when he was first introduced. I think in the back of the Savage Hulk magazine, yes, my, where he was first introduced with Sinkevich doing the artwork and probably Doug Mensch writing it. Yeah, yes. Uh, I always enjoyed that element, but by the time I came on the book, it really hadn't been. Uh-huh. I don't think even mentioned in twenty issues mm. or fifteen or a long time. So there was an assumption on my part that the character had moved away from that. It's a little part of the reason I introduced uh, the shadow cabinet because yes, I wanted right. in some way them to be his other personalities that he was using. Uh, okay. uh, in the back of my mind, it was instead of having conversations with his other personalities in his head, it was people for him to have conversations with. And Frenchie and Marlene had been the only people he really talked to ever. Yes. In the comics, in my memory. So I wanted to introduce some other people. And I do think I may be making this up now in retrospect. In the back of my mind, I played with uh, and I might have contradicted this by the second issue with the shadow cabinet. In the back of my mind, I played with they weren't real. They were other personality manifestations. Oh, wow. Okay, because they were always just holograms or on the screen. right? Yeah. 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 Um, and and you speaking of Marlene and Frenchie, you also actually delved into a lot of uh, the Frenchie element as well. He got a whole man that was a wild journey with the the Knights Templar. Um, yeah, uh, was that was that a conscious was that a, like a, a a push to try to promote Frenchie a bit more? So when I introduced the Hellbent uh, as um, a species that were basically the descendants of both angels and demons uh, that had come to Earth over the millennia and then they would reproduce with normal humans. So they were a hybrid species of celestial entities, for lack of a better term, and humans uh, down the line. I wanted them to be a sort of different version of mutants. You could introduce characters Mm -hmm. with power 
And the way you could just say they had an X gene as an explanation for a mutant's power, you could say this was a hellbent. And that's where that yeah. came from. Mark Gruenwald loved that. He loved the name hellbent. He loved, in a sense, sort of the way Marvel later used the Inhumans to sort of offset so that every other character didn't have to be a mutant. They could be an Inhuman. Uh, he just loved it and wanted to play it up more and more. Um, I remember at a party at my apartment, actually, him discussing that with me and just saying, I love that name. We have to use it more. Please keep it going in Moon Knight. And can we figure out a way to uh, somehow make it really integral to some character's evolution and development? So I don't think he and I discussed it being Frenchy at that point. But that's when I came up with the idea of, well, we'll have Frenchy be one of the hell and he well, i don't know even remember if he was one of the hellbent but he maybe was someone who was descended from the, yes. uh, the long line of knights templars and he became bloodline just mm -hmm. so that he could be somebody very specific to the hellbent storyline who was already established in the marvel universe and wasn't just introduced out of the blue okay okay yeah no a very um it's a very different time there towards that end of the Mark Spector run. Um, it, it got really crazy, I'm going to say, yep. um, but a lot yep. of fun, a whole heap of fun. Yes, so that was uh, that was Terry just talking about, uh, yeah, that the Shadow Cabinet and, and Hellbent. Um, I kind of like the idea, Phil, about the Shadow Cabinet. I wish that it was actually played out and they yeah. were figments of imagination. That would be really cool. Well, I mean, yeah, they could have easily did that because he had it where the shadow cabinet would show up as like holograms and stuff. You know, mm -hmm. that could easily have been like, oh, no, those weren't holograms. Those were figments of your imagination that just disappeared, you know, when you were. Yeah, them. yeah exactly. And and we'll get to this arc, um, Blood Brothers as well. They feature again in, in this towards the latter part of the issue. Uh, and actually, each time I'm revisiting it and seeing the shadow cabinet, I'm kind of warming to, to them um, because... I reckon also, Phil, and we'll get to it with the arc, there were... Terry Kavanagh, actually, he made major strokes in the character. You, you know, I, I was... I would, I'd be imagining it in today's um, in today's comic book industry. Uh, if the things that he did back then, he did now, with what we have with previews and, you know, like, you know, sport, I reckon he would have stirred the pot to no <laughs> end, you, you know? Um oh. Yeah, and the Shadow Cabinet, as well, I think, it would be a, a big thing as well. I mean, there would be fans crying out, where, where is his multiple identities? Where's Jake? Where's Steven? And if it played out that the Shadow Cabinet were actually figments, I wonder if it would have the same reaction as, say, the, the Brian Michael Bendis, Captain America, Spider-Man, Wolverine identities, because that was kind of, you could argue, has been kind of crucified a little or i mean unless like you know when you do a big reveal on the because you never really saw their faces like at one point if like you know at the end of an issue you know the lights the lights come on and you know one of those guys sitting at the table was like jake lockley or something yeah that would be cool yeah like, <laughs> oh, actually... Jake's messing with his head you know <laughs> yeah i think there's a lot to play with that um as well and uh i don't know and what do you think about the hellbent phil um um i liked it i mean it was kind of weird though too because it was just like i don't know it just it, 
the title just seemed to take like a weird turn. But mm. I mean, there was so much there. But again, too, you don't know how much like Terry had to like speed things up because issue 60 was coming and stuff. And yeah, true. Infinity, Infinity Crusade was thrown in there because, oh, you know, yeah. like, you know, while there are good the crossovers, I mean, a lot of times you're like hurting the momentum of books when you like make mm. you drop them in there. Yeah, true. I, I reckon still the Infinity War crossovers in Moon Knight, I, I think, are pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Infinity Crusade, I guess out of the whole trilogy, I'm least knowledgeable on. Uh, uh, I don't know. Just obviously Infinity Gauntlet is the major thing. Uh, Infinity War, um, you guys c- kind of covered it in the Quantum Zone and... Um, I really, I really did enjoy revisiting that. Actually, mm. I enjoyed it a lot more now than I did before. It's still not a masterpiece, but it's it's just fun. Uh, Infinity Crusade, I've read kind of the least, and it's um, least often, and it's um, yeah. And, and that one's just that one's just really weird because like half the heroes are like taken over by the goddess, and it's just yeah. you know, like if you read in a book, all of a sudden it's like oh, Moon Knight or Spider Man or so you know whoever's acting really weird and. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit strange. Um, but I do like the the idea of Hellbent as well. So I like this idea that Terry says, and it's a shame that we don't get to see more of it. I reckon it would fit really well in with. Uh, it's kind of touched a little bit on um in the Ghost Rider runs. Um, I'm not too well versed in them all as well, but I know the Jason Aaron run, um, just with with angels and demons and stuff, yeah. and and this whole thing. And, and I like the idea that this could be another avenue of having super-powered people. You know, so you have your mutants, you have radiation, all that sort of stuff, and now you have um, interbreeding with uh, with demons or angels. Uh, yeah, pretty cool. Um, pretty cool indeed. Uh, well, Looney's white noise, Phil, I had a little troll through the interwebs. No news, none that reaches our high standards. Um, again... I saw an article on Daniel Radcliffe about Moon Knight again. I don't know. I don't know. That's another speculation thing. Uh, and what was the other thing I saw? Uh, uh, oh, it was. It was about. Um, actually, it was about a potential. This is not Moon Knight related, but they mentioned Moon Knight in it. Um, a Cindy Cindy Moon, a Silk. Apparently, Sony are developing a TV series as well. So. Um, I guess the moon came up in the Google search, and that's why <laughs> that came in. But uh, yeah, no, no news, Looney. Unless you have anything, Phil. No, I think unfortunately the show is probably going to be. I mean, they never had a date to, to begin with, but it might. Probably, it's probably going to be delayed just because Falcon and Winter Soldier and WandaVision and everything else I think are delayed yeah. because of you know everything going on in the world right now. And yeah, so yeah. those Phase Two shows like Moon Knight and She Hulk are probably going to be delayed a little bit. Yeah, well, I hope they don't backtrack and go yeah, like, no. the way of Ghost Rider and go, oh, hang on, no, nah, we're not going to do it anymore. So we'll we'll have to just wait and see, I guess. Um, all we can do is keep on riding in, shouting and worshipping Khonshu, that sort of stuff. Anyway, um, Phil, we've got a bit to get to with this arc. It's, it's a nice uh, four-issue-length four arc, so uh, let's get to it. We'll, we'll uh, throw to a break. And, uh, and when we come back, loonies, uh, Phil and I will go through Terry Kavanagh's introduction into the Mark Spector Moon Knight run with, uh, with Blood Brothers. See you soon. Tell me his name again. Thanos. I think I shall call him... Adam. 
but return to me again empty-handed, and I will bathe the Starways in your blood. Thanks, Dad. Sounds fair. Korvac's power grows, as does his madness. He would have destroyed us all, had I not pulled us into the Soul Gem. Then Thanos, I'm coming for you. After Xandar, you were going to kill my father? You dared to oppose me. You see what he has turned me into? You kill him, I will help you destroy a thousand planets. It's all right, Adam. We're here to help. Just stay cool. Ugh! I don't want to be here! Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Five years and going strong. Every other week, mostly. For all of your Adam Warlock, Thanos, or Marvel Cosmic needs. Find it on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are available. Resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com Adam Warlock. You cannot keep leaving your philosophy books open on the floor. I always trip on them in the middle of the night on my way to the can. Yes, welcome back, Looney listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, the the Moon Knight podcast. This is episode 162. I am joined by the Drop King, Phil, uh, and we are here for an Over the Moon arc review. Um, Phil, this is exciting. How was your, just, just briefly, how was your reread? Did you, did you enjoy it thoroughly? Were you surprised or did you remember stuff that you didn't or how, how was it? Um, I mean, I needed a little bit of a refresher. It's been at least a few years since I read this. I mean, I enjoyed it. I mm. Again, it was a good story, but it was the early 90s. So of course, you get a Punisher uh, guest yeah, star. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, true, true. It has all the bells and whistles of its time. But uh, um, before we get into that as well, again, I thought I'd drop uh, something in again from the chat we had with Terry. Um, Terry Kavanagh and Howard Mackey. And, and this is one of your ones, Phil. You actually um, shot this one over to them. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's basically... Let, let's play it. It's basically... Um, you asked him about uh, about Moon Knight and <clears throat> the distinguished competition, uh, DC's Moon Knight. <laughs> Me! <laughs> <laughs> Ray, you know I have to ask this. Yes. Okay. For well, for both of you, but especially okay, Terry. Sure. Um, I mean, in the '90s, they kind of like downplayed like the other personalities of Mark Spector and mm-hmm. stuff. I just always had a theory: Did Marvel want like kind of their own Batman at that point? You know, like Terry, you really like up the gadgets and stuff. And it's like, was there any ever talks that like, hey, we want to compete with Batman? Maybe there, there was always talk in the industry that Moon Knight was Marvel's version of Batman, but there was never any instruction that I recall from an editor or um, editor-in-chief or anyone that I was working on the book with to make him more like Batman or even to downplay the multiple personalities. All right, uh, there you go. Uh, Again, something that kind of surprised me Phil, uh, with Terry's response there, with um, 
where the angle that they were taking with Moon Knight. I mean, you make a valid point about all the gadgets that he has, and especially, I guess, if you look at this arc that we're going to be um, discussing, there were a very, very similar parallels, I, I guess you could say, to to that other guy. Oh yeah, I mean, I, this is you know Terry takes over and like starts like adding to the arsenal. I mean, we get that adamantium trunk in. Yeah, that's so cool. Is this like the first appearance of the Angel Wing? I'm trying to. Yeah. Uh... Uh, I think it's been under repair. I think it was from memory. I think it was used just really briefly before. Um, but it was like it was a. F- uh, I can't remember. No, because actually he does mention here that he's he's doing a field test with it as well. So it is very new. I think it probably is. I mean, the way that they that Terry writes it. Um, but the just new the- costume as well. We'll, we'll get oh, into all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so uh, Looney's. Uh, this has been dictated, the ARC review, it's, it's the over the moon, as I mentioned, it is the last quarter moon, so contrary decrees that we um, we do this ARC, and uh, what are the details, uh, Phil, for what we are about to cover? Oh, uh, what, the titles? <laughs> titles, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, uh, issue, Mark Spector, Moon Knight 35, the family that slays together, <laughs> Issue 36, Nothing Can Stop The Punisher. The Punisher. The Punisher. <laughs> issue 37, The Fall and Rise of Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. And issue 38, The Avatar of Conchu. So all about you, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, um, it's also available, really, it's it's not that common. Like It's only available in floppy. Digitally, it's not, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not on Marvel Unlimited, um, nor is it on Comicsology that I've seen. Uh, so you may have to do a little digging, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, loonies uh, on the interwebs if you want to try and find a digital copy there somewhere. But it's mainly in floppy. There have been no trades released. We are all waiting with bated breath on some sort of Mark Spector Moon Knight omnibus or collect- complete collection. But um, we, we're still awaiting for that as well. Uh, how about the credits, Phil? All right. Uh, oh, yeah. oh did, we, did we say published May through Fe- well, mm-hmm. February, May 1992? Okay, yeah. Uh, writer Terry Cavanaugh, of course. Penciler Ron Garney. Inker Tom Palmer. Colorist Christy Sheely. Letterer Ken Lopez. And editor Joey Cavallari and Sarah Mossoff. Mm-hmm. Yep, and so for loonies that haven't um, been privy to these discussions before, what we'll do is, um, after obviously Phil has mentioned the the credits and the details, uh, we'll go through a bare bones, which is basically a synopsis, um, and this is a pretty broad one, and it's a little bit lengthier because we're trying to cover four issues. I've truncated it, it's courtesy of Wiki. Uh, so we'll go through a synopsis in case you haven't got the the uh, the comic book issue and want to know what it's about, uh, and then Phil and I will basically go through um, the, the different aspects of it. So it will range from we're going to bounce from writing to artwork to themes, uh, characterizations how how the characters were voiced, uh, and references to any other runs. And and in this arc, there were actually a few references, um, which does tie things together, which is always pretty cool. And finally, after that, Phil and I will base our, our moon rating, uh, either Phil, the vanilla rating, or we can do Connor Shoes rating system. Which one will you pick tonight? Oh, you know I like Connor Shoes rating yeah. system. Yeah, we'll go, we'll go for that. All right, well, um, 
Okay, I'll, I'll, just to be different, I'll go, I'll go the vanilla then, um, and uh, you'll get yours. So, all right, well, um, loonies, uh, this is the synopsis. This will be for all four issues. Uh, here we go. As Mark and Marlene return home, Randall Spectre bombs the mansion. Moon Knight runs into the fiery building to rescue Frenchie. Returning outside, he finds Marlene unconscious and holding Randall's mask. Elsewhere, Princess Nephthys meets with members of the Cult of Khonshu and Randall. In another part of the city, the Punisher interrogates a thug about a shipment of AIM weapons whilst outside a police station, Moon Knight questions an informant and learns of the, lo- the location of Randall. Immediately afterwards, the Punisher asks the informant for the location of the Cult, who are tied to the AIM weapons shipment. Arriving at their building, Mark fights multiple Knights of the Moon. Nephthys and Randall confront him, revealing that the previous Hatchetman was an imposter. The Punisher crashes in and tries to shoot Nephthys and Randall Spectre. Moon Knight fights him uh, because he needs answers from them first. They continue fighting even after the villains escape. Using a portable energy tracker, they find the Cult of Conchu's base under Central Park. Randall emerges from a tank of water dressed as Shadow Knight. Nephthys explains she faked his death and empowered him with a Lunar Absorber. Randall attacks, but Punisher shoots him with a laser gun. Moon Knight and Nephthys believe Punisher has killed Randall Spectre. However, Randall gets up again, invulnerable to any bullets or lasers. He and Punisher struggle over the gun, shoot the ceiling, and end up flooding the lab. Moon Knight awakens, hanging from a tree with his wrists tied. Randall, a.k.a. Shadow Knight, reveals that years ago, he was among a group of rebels that Bushman and Mark Spector attacked. He later managed to make his way to the tomb of Seti and was present when Khonshu resurrected Mark. Shadow Knight and Moon Knight fight after Randall releases Moon Knight from his bonds. The Knights of the Moon try to shoot the newly escaped Punisher, but he manages to retrieve his motorcycle and weapons. Nephthys runs away and attacks Moon Knight, but is shot and killed by Punisher. Shadow Knight escapes. Weeks later, Randall Spector carries a kidnapped nurse through the sewer. He wields an axe and resembles the Hatchet Man. Punisher arrives on his motorcycle and rescues her from Randall's attack. He reveals that it has been six weeks since the encounter with Randall in Central Park. At his new headquarters, Moon Knight consults with his Shadow Cabinet. Over the next couple of weeks, Randall continues to abduct and kill nurses. Moon Knight determines that Randall's next attack will be at the hospital where Marlene and Frenchie have been recuperating. Moon Knight arrives at the hospital and fights Randall on the roof before the fight continues inside. Randall grabs Frenchie and throws him out a window. Moon Knight dives out to catch him while Punisher shoots Randall with a machine gun. Randall crashes through another window and hits the street below. The next day, Mark identifies Randall's body in the morgue then takes Frenchie home. He explains that Randall was subjected to the same drugs as the Hatchet Man imposter and similarly became an insane serial killer. Yes, Looney, so there you go. A um, a summary of those four issues. Now, there's a lot more to it than that, but hopefully that gives you the gist of the arc um very much obviously blood brothers um mark and randall the two f- feuding brothers uh and uh, and as phil said punisher thrown in for 90s good measure 
Uh, all right, well, overall impressions, uh, Phil, you mentioned you enjoyed it as well. Look, I, I really enjoyed it as well. I think it's it's probably one of my, my favourite arcs in the Mark Spector Moon Knight um, run because I think there's such a, a nice combination of not only there's a lot of meat to the story here, but um, also Ron Garney and Tom Palmer's artwork. Man, I mean... I think I remember when you guys um, were on with uh, Anthony Sitko from Capes on the Couch, and Anthony's top Moon Knight artist, I think, was surprisingly Ron Garney. And, and you know, he's a fantastic artist, um, but there were so many great artists. So it was a little surprising to hear that. But I can understand by looking at this, um, very solid ink work. Um, the characters look great. The, the fight scenes were fantastic. Um, yeah, so, no, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and as I mentioned before, I think Terry Kavanagh really stirs the pot here with the lore of Moon Knight. Um, in hindsight now, because, you know, we've had a lot of series afterwards, it's fine, but I'm sure this would have ruffled plenty of feathers. I mean, Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, New Raider comes on, and basically this sets up the whole new status quo, which basically is going to carry you through the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. And just the whole thing with Randall Specter, it's like, oh, no, he didn't die, you know, and just... Yeah, well, let's start with that one then. This is this is one of the first big kind of retcons, I think, um, that Terry Kavanagh does. Very interesting. So what we find in this arc is that the Hatchet Man that we know from the Hulk magazine, um, really great story there, um, Mark encountered him in Central Park, that actually wasn't his brother. It was an imposter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we get the real Randall Spector here, um, I know. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> did that kind of irk you a little, or, or how did? I mean, I wasn't really tied to those early issues. I mean, you know, I hadn't read them new. I knew I'd read them later on, as you know. Mm. And, and, and it, it, it's interesting, but I could see how that could, like, you know, longtime readers could be like, "Oh, really?" But it's like, yeah. it's not like the Hatchet Man was like a big player, you know, all throughout Moon Knight's history. You know, it was like one. What was it? One story. So. I, yeah, oh, I, yeah. I mean, yeah. I could see Harry maybe wanted to play with Randall Specter, and it's like you know maybe make this guy a little more of a you know legend in the Moon Knight uh, rogues. Yeah, well, I mean, I think arguably, I mean, as you say, Randall Specter hasn't featured too much in the Moon Knight canon, which is a shame because I think he's a really interesting character, having that kind of brother and mm-hmm. the feuding brother thing. And arguably, I'd say as well, this is probably the best representation of Randall Specter um, that has been written uh, in the in the canon. I mean, I really did love the 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 Hulk magazine um, story as well because uh, he was very vicious there. But he's very vicious here as well. Like there oh, were yeah. bodies just littered. Um, there, there's one time there, I think, where Mark's in the Moon Cave, and he's he's trying to work out where Randall's going, and he's mm. like, "All right, so what? Uh, five women were killed this week, then." <laughs> A few days later, four women were killed, then three, then two. Oh, so he's got to have only one. <laughs> like, he is just killing a plenty. And then when they go to the the hospital, like, more nurses were, were killed, which also kind of reminds me as well, um, I had to have a little chuckle, Phil. The nurses, mm. as brilliant as Ron Garney is as a as a drawer, uh, they were all, they looked to me like they were all dressed up in Halloween costumes as nurses. They had the, the little nurse hat with the, the red cross at the top. I mean, uh, oh, so he's just killing the naughty nurses. Okay. <laughs> yeah, nerd, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so that was one of the big things. It's a retcon of, of Randall Spector. But like I said, I, I enjoyed this new take on it. Um, 
as well. Now, what do you think of uh, the other... Okay, the other big thing, sticking with Randall as well. So what he's done, he's fleshed out Randall's origin. Um, so he's actually expanded on the Mark Spector origin as well. We all know Bushman and Mark Spector, Fallout, um, um, Mark left in the desert, Temple, Marlene. Um, but now Randall is involved in it. Yeah, I mean, you see this sometimes in superhero lore, but it is interesting. That's just like, you know, I was there the day of the origin. I could have been two nights, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, it actually, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, and not only that, and this leads into one of the biggest things, I think, and I I would imagine this totally would have pissed off a lot of people, um, is the two conchus. Like, apparently, so there are two conchus now, and... The the Conchus were feuding brothers, which parallels Mark and Randall. Uh, And, yeah, and so apparently I think Mark inadvertently steals the power um, from from Randall, which is why Randall has the shits with Mark (laughs) and and wants to always, like, kind of seize the power and and take over the mantle. What did you think of these two Conchus then, Phil? This is big stuff. I, I this is one of the details I'd forgotten about until my reread. I was thinking, you know, it would be interesting for uh, modern day. What if Jason Aaron picked that up? What if what if Mark's not working for his conchu right now in Avengers? Oh, nice, nice. No, I, I'm I'm thinking right now. You're you're talking about that. I'm thinking about Anthony Sitko's, and I'm going to cl- um, credit Anthony Sitko's um, fanfic for this. Um, why they, it was. This was rife for for Randall to be taken up by Set, like Set, like him being an avatar of Set, um, feuding deities, feuding brothers. That would have been cool. But yeah, two two conchus. Uh, I was surprised again. Cause I totally forgot about this little thing, and it has been conveniently forgotten, I guess, in Moonlight Law, um, except for and again, my memory of Shadowlands is a little hazy, but Shadow Knight pops up again there. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how Randall is resurrected, uh, but I can't. I I don't think they mentioned two conchus in it. But uh, these these were big strokes from Terry Kavanagh. So um, yeah, interesting, interesting indeed. Uh, look, I'm going to play another little clip from from our little chat with um, with Terry, and this is tying into actually um, Moon Knight, the Avatar of Vengeance. Maybe not. Uh, he is known as as something else. So let's uh, let's just play this and have Terry explain. And it's interesting to me, having just heard what Howard said about his issue twenty five, and how he approached what uh, Mark Demattis had done up till then. Because if I remember correctly, I, Howard must have kept some of that alive. Mm. That whole. Uh, 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 movement away from vengeance to uh, something different because if I remember correctly one of the things I did was establish that Moon Knight learned a little more about Khonshu and that he was actually a god of justice not a god of vengeance and that must have been me I can't swear to this but likely that was me following up on what Dematis had done that Howard hadn't completely uh, given up on or abandoned or, or contradicted. Otherwise, I don't think I would have done that. Right. Yes, so uh, the Avatar of Justice, this is a big thing. Like, uh, and and it plays off on the J.M. Demetrius, um, Scarlet Redemption 
of Moon Knight um, being less violent, I guess. And you see that in this as well, Phil, because there's so many times where he actually goes for the nerve points, you know, in the necks of the, the, the thugs and stuff. So I guess he's trying to find a more of a, a, a peaceful way to resolve things, but he's still kicking ass, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's trying to be a kinder, gentler Moon Knight. Yes, uh, less violent. Uh, I mean, all, all your all your caped crusaders go through this uh, period, you know, <laughs> okay, some, okay. At, at, at some point, you know, and then they're just like, ah, it's easier to cut a guy's face off. <laughs> so does does that happen also with uh, with Brucey? I mean, I mean, yeah, but I mean, <clears throat> Beep has done that service, uh, <laughs> a couple times. I mean, again, it's like okay. you know. When he first shows up in the, you know, 1939, like Lilith likes to say, he's like hanging guys off the bat plane and stuff and, you know, yeah. throw them in, you know, car crushers and stuff. But then it's like, you know, in the 40s, you know, then you, they they tone it down for the kids and, you know, and then once, of course, that 66 TV show comes out, you know, he's a kindler, you know, yeah. you yeah, even yeah. see violence, Biff, Bam, Pow. Yeah. 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 So you know they go through swings, are, yeah. They go through the the rounds. And then yeah. even, even in the nineties, they try to tone him down because you know once Azrael takes over as Batman, they're like, oh, he's way more, uh, you know. Ah, uh, okay. You know, Batman's not that violent, you know. He just psychologically scares them, and it's just uh, like, okay, so in context, it's kind of like, yeah, look, he's not bad. There's always a, a worse evil, like you know, so to speak. Ah, right. Well, um, I guess with writing, Phil, any other um, notable. Uh, points i guess from your end um it's just i like in the 90s we get so much more like per issue again we always mm. say this this was a modern story that you know these four issues would be eight to twelve issues yeah yeah that's true as well and and i kind of like uh i don't know for want of a better word like the density of these four issues as well it's uh, to me i think it's just right i mean this is not you can't just burn through them because they're not like wordless panels but oh. um, but there's there's enough in there, but it's not too overbearing. Like I, I found it totally interesting to actually read through through all that stuff, and um, you know, we, they get into the whole thing about um, this whole thing where Mark tries to figure out where Randall's movies next, and there's a lot of text involved in that. There's a lot of talking with the shadow cabinet, but I don't know. I find that all quite engaging. Um, interactions between Punisher and Moon Knight, they always have biffs. They're kind of like you know. <laughs> um, old mates or something oh yeah and you i mean just yeah the the interaction between him and the punisher and then the, again you you could see if you binge all the you know binge read four at once you see the big changes terry's setting up new equipment new headquarters shadow cabinet yeah, yeah you see all the big stuff coming yeah no absolutely uh the thing i thought was um which i thought was something to note was uh towards the beginning when um, the head of the Conchu te- uh, statue was taken away. Um, it had been a while, I think. Uh, well, actually, JMD Mateus did kind of bring back that element of, of Conchu and that Egyptian side of things because the way I see it, uh, issue one till about, uh, to even up to 25, what the one that Howard Mackey did, uh, although they had the Cults of the Moon, that's fine. Uh, there was not much on Conchu and this kind of deity. Um so we see it again here. We see it alluded to in the JMD Mateus in the Scarlet Redemption, but Terry picks up on it. And um, so the Conchu statue head is taken and Mark is is distraught. He says himself like it's the most valuable thing he has in the mansion, right? So um, 
I found this is quite yeah, just just interesting interesting note. Uh, I can't remember if if it's played on further whether whether the deity has any more relevance to Mark in the later parts of the run, but uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, Conchu makes like a big return, yeah, around this time. Yeah, like you said, like those first 25 issues or something, basically Conchu's just like a concept. It's like, oh, yeah, Mark, you know, molded his identity around Conchu. But yeah. now, oh, no, Conchu's way more than you think, you know. It's not yeah. just- oh, well, even those first issues, he was just forgotten. It, like, it was Mark, Mark Spector Moon Knight. It was literally like Moon Knight just traipsing around like a costume vigilante like um the Ch- the chuck dixon run like there's not much um conchu involvement at all um i'm trying to I, i'm trying to remember there might the statue might have been sitting there did they do that in the first issue i can't remember like he might he might you know just using using the conchu statues as an excuse to like retell the origin or just yeah, like oh, yeah oh yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, apart from that, though, it didn't really have an involvement in, in a lot of the stories. But as we know, of course, later on, it, it's it's um, picked up and Jason Aaron run the Avengers. <laughs> it's, it's all Conchu, isn't it? So, um, But yeah, I mean, so Randall Spector, actually, he takes that head and he brings it back later in, in the arc. And, and that was really just a taunt to Mark. Um, um, and I guess a little bit of anger from, from Randall about um, not getting the power from Conchu that he deserved, you know, when he went to the Seti temple. Um, just other couple of things here, Phil, I thought you would have appreciated it early on. Mark and Marlene, um, Mark suggested Marlene if they should dress up in their, their Trekkie uniforms. So so we have uh, evidence here that Mark and Marlene are, are Star Trek fans. <laughs> in certain ways, I guess, yeah, maybe they are Star Trek fans, but... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and just the other thing with the writing as well, uh, I wanted to point out there's some really good like little scenes, like very cinematic scenes. I think that Terry Terry um, brings to the story, and one that really um, stuck out to me was that bit where Moon Knight um, fools that informant in the van, like he and he says, "Oh, it's funny what a microphone and some um, you know some smoke can do to and some backlighting." And so he plays on the guy's, I guess, superstition or religion, and he thinks that Moon Knight is this angel. And then once he gets information, he goes, and then the next thing you just see uh, Frank Castle's skull chest in through the window. Oh, I thought yeah. that was so cool. Yeah, yeah. So it's, um, I don't know, I like those um, kind of very visual cinematic kind of um, beats. Uh, Art-wise, Phil, what, what did you think generally of the art? Oh, I like the art. I've always liked Ron Garney's stuff, especially like uh, when he does street level stuff like this. I mean, he had a run on uh, Daredevil. I think, I think he's done Spider Man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned as well. I think I really enjoyed the artwork. He's very, very solid, and it carries on through. Even though uh, Ron Garney, I think he he stops at thirty eight, thirty nine. I think from memory, when I did that discussion with Josh. Uh, it's Gary. Oh, he's he's got like a I think a Polish name. Um, uh, anyway, he it's a different artist, but it's very similar to Ron Garney. But the OG Ron Garney art is is really cool, just really solid. And Tom Palmer, I loved his stuff in the Avengers. Um, so his inking is very kind of solid for me. Uh, I thought uh, Randall looked um, impressively kind of scary. Um, we didn't see enough, I think, of the mask, but uh, I like I like that. Um, 
the effect of his skin kind of crackling um, because he's yeah. yeah. I did uh, like I, yeah yeah in the last issue, but you know a lot yeah like he's like almost like yes cracking like he's a statue or something. I mean, there's other artists who maybe you know might not have got that effect. Yeah, it wouldn't have looked as good. Yeah, Ron Garney had that down. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I've got a note here, of course, Nephthys as well, Phil. When I say the name Nephthys, what what do you think? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? <laughs> um. 90s, a female 90s outfit. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was about to say like 90% naked. Exactly. This is just a hop, skip, and a jump from nipple. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, so you know, she was an interesting character as well, um, and that reminded me, another thing I really loved about this film and what Terry had set up um, was this fact of the lunar absorber. Like, the I don't know, the planets had to align, the moons had to be in a certain way um, on that certain night for for Randall to actually um, get that power, to absorb this, this I guess, moon power, country power, and, and that's how he gets it. I was going to say, next to the Punisher guest appearance, the most 90s thing in this story, the lunar absorber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, which is really cool. Uh, so anyway, I, I just I love that aspect of that's it explains why he he's invulnerable, you know, yeah. and it gives him a little backstory. Um, that's what I feel lacks with with Randall Specter. He he's not fleshed out enough, and at least with this run, we get something, you know, four issues, and he kind of cocks it at the end, but we at least get something. Oh yeah. Uh, um, I've got the fight sequences. Um, Punisher and Moon Knight was great. It reminded me, reminiscent of that um, of the Punisher annual. With uh, with Moon Knight, that pink cover, uh, um, they always seem to bicker. It's it's really weird. I I love it because uh, and again, it's subtly hinted here. Punisher respects Moon Knight because I guess of this the military background or the the soldier background, um, but his values obviously are very different. And of course, Mark is looking after his brother. He doesn't want his brother killed. He wants to learn a bit more. So that kind of uh, brings them to crossroads, um, but it's always fun to see them team up together. Oh yeah, and especially like all, most of the time when they team up in the nineties, it's usually when Mark's trying to take a kinder, gentler route. And but, yeah, the yeah. Punisher respects like his background and his history, but he's like, "What are you doing now, Spectre? You, you know, yeah, you yeah, you were a machine, and now all of a sudden you're like, you know, what hitting them with bunnies and stuff? Come on, <laughs> yeah, it's slightly different from Punisher, say, and Daredevil. Like, I think Punisher's got maybe less respect for, say, Daredevil, if I can say that. Um, he's got a bit more respect for Mark, but uh, Moon Knight, in essence, is kind of doing the same as Daredevil. He's not going to... Although, now, these days, you know, he's not going to... He's going to tear off a face or something. He's, he's oh, going to... Well, I think even... Yeah, even back here, you know, Punisher mm. was like, oh, yeah, you 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 weren't afraid to drop some bodies back in the day. Yeah, but, yeah, it, yeah Daredevil's just always, yeah, no killing, you know, in my yeah. city and, you know going to bring you to justice and punishers like yeah okay yeah no, absolutely as well and uh or just art wise as well I, again i love that uh scene of them in the sewers or the underground uh they're both wearing the night goggle vision that that was a nice little thing and they're wading through the water that was pretty cool and the punisher cycle as well you can't go wrong there um thoughts then phil actually on art on the angel wing what do you think of that we've been through many iterations of the moon copter what do you think of the angel wing 
I mean, I like the design, but it is like a slap in the face to Frenchie that yeah, he has like this autopilot and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, unless that's a sign to come that you know Terry had bigger things in store for Frenchie besides just being the pilot. Yeah, true. I mean, for Frenchie again, um, just jump to characterizations. He gets um, incapacitated again. Um, yeah. Because you and I actually feel we did a, a moonwalk. We did a read through of issue thirty four, which was just before this. That was grudge match of Frenchie taking on uh, Killer Shrike. He was he was uh, fine then. You know he he suited up. He beat the hell out of Killer Shrike. Then we see off panel, actually at the very beginning of issue uh, thirty five, when the mansion blows up, Frenchie's unconscious and he's wheelchair bound again. So poor Frenchie can't seem to can't seem to get a break. Well, yeah, he was down, wasn't he down working on, it was either the moon copter or the angel yeah. wing, yeah, and the house just, like, gets blown up above him, yeah. So he just, he just um, recovered from being injured from Killer Shrike, he just recovered, he got his vengeance on Killer Shrike, and then he's back in a wheelchair, poor Frenchie, I mean. <laughs> well, yeah, I think Terry's, like, sidelining him again, because, yeah, we're getting yeah. the angel wing, we're getting the shadow, you know, now we're giving Mark a reason to be more dependent on the shadow cabinet when it comes yeah, in. True. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah, true, true. Um, and just with art again, like we we mentioned the costumes, I think this is an awesome costume. He's got, he's got the shoulder pads, again, very 90s, um, but adamantium. I, I like all these gadgets, actually. Even even there's a bit of a play with the, um, the moon cave with how he kind of triangulates um, Randall's location. He had like a hologram. Um, that was pretty cool as well. And there's actually even a description at the beginning of, of a Spectacore... Um, buying up all this real estate and actually all the buildings interconnected, I thought was really cool. And there's a yeah. big dome over it, so it kind of explains how he can fit all his all his gadgets and stuff, um, you know, secret uh, in there. So um, yeah, that was pretty cool. A headquarters under his corporate headquarters in the city. Hmm, where have I heard that before? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yes, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, um, look with themes. Oh, sorry. Is there anything anything on art there, Phil, that you wanted to? I mean, I think we we've sung the praises of uh, Ron Garney's yeah. art. I mean, he really sets the tone, especially like the night scenes and stuff. I mean, yep, yeah, it, it yeah. works. Sorry, yeah, cool. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so with themes though, like so, trying to look at the story underlying tones. Obviously, Blood Brothers. It's all to do with family and and like sibling rivalry. I think, as we we discussed earlier, the parallels between now two conchus, to who were apparently conchu brothers, they're brothers, uh, they're feuding, and it's you know similar with Mark and Randall. I think that's a main thing. Although um, I'm going to jump Phil to the references as well. Um, what I found is really cool, and um, the way it ties into. Uh, the Knights of the Moon, the Cult of Conchu, right? So, um, yeah, uh, this whole thing about... Basically, they're a terror organisation, um, and they've been used before as well. Um, so, I guess it's not really a theme, but it's just the main yeah. the main part of the story connects with... Um, so, it connects with Marvel Comics Presents 31, actually, which was the first time, I believe, Terry Kavanagh edited it and... and uh, I think Howard Mackey wrote it. Um, I can't remember. Or Terry. Terry wrote it. Anyway, that was... Oh, no. Howard Mackey did. He wrote it. Um, it was uh, The Knights of the Moon, and it had Plasma in there as well. 
Uh, and then that was continued on in Mark Spector, Moon Knight 25, um, which was penned, uh, penned by Howard Mackey. Uh, and anyway, here's another opportunity, Phil, to drop a little bit of a, a tidbit from our chat. Um, so we did talk to Howard as well uh, about his involvement in Mark Spector. And uh, here's, uh, here's Howard just describing his, his time uh, writing... Uh, issue 25, which incidentally is one of my favourite Moon Knight (laughs) issues. Uh, So yeah, let's play it. Then in April 1991, and this is what I'm coming, I'm going through chronological, 91, Mark Spector, Moon Knight 25. So this was your your pen story for for Moon Knight. Uh, So what was your take on the character? Um, So you obviously had a huge, a a really firm grasp on Ghost Rider, which you introduced into the issue, Um, uh, introduced some characters from that Marvel Comics Presents 31. How did you um, approach Moon Knight? Well, well, this this much I do remember. And as a matter of fact, as we're speaking, uh, I am holding uh, the double page spread uh, page two and three. Oh, I know which one. Uh, yes. That issue in my head. I had just pulled out a whole bunch of original art for a separate reason. And uh, when when the art came back, uh, Mark Bagley, the artist yes. on the issue, had uh, given given it to me as a gift. So mm-hmm. I literally have it in my hands right now. But um, the way that that came about, um, I I think is is a semi humorous story, but. Um, <laughs> At that point, yes, I had been I'd been doing uh, Ghost Rider, and you know had drifted away from my 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 humble uh, Iron Man Chuck Norris and his karate commandos <laughs> yes. uh, uh, beginnings, uh, you know, with, with with quite a few Hawkeye stories uh, yes. thro- thrown in there, but they they had a different flavor than than Ghost Rider did, and so now I was starting to get a reputation as the Ghost Rider writer and the writer before me was um mark dematis jm dematis mm-hmm. uh who's a phenomenal um phenomenal writer i i have a habit of following him on things because he was he was prior to my relaunch of ghost rider he was the the last uh writer of ghost ghost rider yes. what about oh. 10 years before mm-hmm. and or maybe not even 10 years um uh but anyway um but Mark has a very different approach, certainly to comic books. I mean, brilliant, brilliant writer. <laughs> but he tends to write a more philosophical yes. uh, comic book than, than, than I, I do. And I remember what he was leading to with the, uh, the, the ending of his, his story was Moon Knight, you know, getting away from the vengeance uh, game mm-hmm. and becoming, you know, he was even like his fighting style. I think he wanted him to use um, more like a Aikido type uh, fighting style where you were going to be, you know, re-diverting your, your, your opponent's energy and mm-hmm. you're, you're, it was going to be, you know, much less punching, hitting vengeance. Yes. And so he was off the book, and he had finished his story. And uh, Danny Fingeroth wanted somebody, you know. I guess I was more of a marquee name at that point uh, because of the success of of Ghost Rider. And so Danny had had uh, uh, approached me and said, 
you know, are you interested in Moon Knight? And I said, I can't, I can't take on another book right now. I was doing way too much. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, well, what about just doing issue 25? Um, it's a double-sized issue. I really want to draw attention. It needs something special. And Dematis is done with his story. And I said, okay, Danny, I'm not really up to date on what Mark was doing. Let me read through the issues and I'll, I'll, I'll see what I can do. And he, uh, so I read the issues and I saw what Mark was doing. It was very well done, but it wasn't really me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I said that to Danny. I said, Danny, you know, I can't, I can't do that. That's not, that's not my approach to comic books or to Moon Knight. And Danny said, oh, well, no, you don't have to see what he did. So I always say my, my issue 25 was essentially a double-sized issue that said, nah, <laughs> I'm not going to do that and get back to punching and hitting and then literally bringing another spirit of vengeance in yeah. into the book. Uh, so, yeah, so that that was really – and, I mean, I, I just – I liked I, – I, I, I like the vibe of – Moon Knight in general. I also, I mean, just I also like you know the you know a white costume set against a uh, a dark sky. I mean, there's so many parts of that character that I could have easily seen if I didn't relaunch Ghost Rider at the time mm-hmm. uh, that I would have been drawn to writing a, a Moon Knight arc uh, yeah. because. That, you know, he is my kind of character, but it really was just that one issue that I approached and or that I did, and that was my approach to it was <laughs> just just to, to to you know to to put the lie to you know all these great stories that uh, uh, Mark Demattis did. Uh, but um, yeah, yeah, that, that's what happened. I don't believe Mark held it against me. Oh, good, uh, good, good. <laughs> All right, so that was Howard Mackey's um, his experience writing uh, Moon Knight and how, I guess, J.M.D. Mateus uh, influenced how he decided to, to take or, or to portray Moon Knight in that. Although, Phil, having said that, though, I did a little back, back there, a little bit of a background check. Um, so issue 25, Howard Mackey did it, Cults of the Moon, ties in with um, Marvel Comics Presents 31, uh, it has plasma. It has the 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 knights of the moon, uh, but James D. Matthias's Scarlet Redemption was from twenty six to thirty one. So when Howard says that um, he went against James D. Matthias's take on Mark, uh, he actually he didn't because he actually he came before just before uh, James D. Matthias uh, turned Mark Spectre into a as we said an avatar of justice. Um, and that kind of actually makes sense with what Terry mentioned earlier on, is that he did actually continue that trend because he did follow James DeMatteis's, um, uh development of Moon Knight as an avatar of justice. I mean, he's probably just re- misremembering. He probably yeah. heard J.M. DeMatteis's plans and yes. thought in his head. Because I'm surprised, I mean, especially with the amount of uh, comics Howard Mackey has written that he can remember anything, you know. Oh, anything. absolutely. The, the yeah. secret and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking just like you, like when I did read that as well. I mean, who knows how these things are put together? It, it mm-hmm. you know, maybe yeah. James Dimitris had penned, I don't twenty six to thirty one before they had someone write twenty five and stuff like that, or maybe he did start talking to Howard about it before 
um, yeah. how it actually, yeah. So, because uh, yeah, his was just the one shot, the, you know, exactly. You know, Mark Spector of twenty five, so he, they could have just slotted that in anywhere. Yeah, yeah, but it is, um, it does resonate because, as we mentioned, and this is where I mentioned before, Looney's that it ties in with Terry Kavanagh and Howard Mackey. Mark Spector, Moon Knight, twenty five, direct. Uh, connection to Blood Brothers as well because the Knights of the Moon, uh, Plasma is killed. She's killed in, in issue 25 and Nephthys, the uh, the almost naked um, leader, she takes over uh, and, and she mentions it as well. She she wants to create this terror organisation so she's just kind of, uh, she's lost the plot a little I think um, um, because she's so, it seems like she believes all that hocus pocus, um, lunar absorber, conscious stuff, which you know we as readers know is real. But you know, um, she's she's a bit uh, one stick short of a bundle, I'd say. <laughs> so yeah, so going back themes, I think that's. Um, oh, actually no, sorry, I'll, I'll go back. Um, Phil, again, other references. Dark Hawk Nine was referenced in that. So uh, the Punisher makes mention of these AIM weapon shipment to New York, which apparently was set up in in Dark Hawk Nine. I like how things are are tying in here, Phil. But uh, had you read? I'm sure you'd read Dark Hawk Nine. I, I actually no, I haven't. I mean, oh. I've, my my Dark Hawk reading's a little piecemeal. So yeah, mm-hmm. I don't. I yeah, think me too. I've read Dark Hawk Nine. Um, yeah, even like you mentioned that Marvel Comics presents. Like I've only read a few of those. Like there was even another Marvel Comics presents uh, mentioned in when Lilith and I were recording our latest uh, Ultimate Spider Cast. So I'm just like, I want to go back and read all those because I've only read Me like all those. But if you go, I don't think they really reprint those a lot. I, th- I know. Then we even mentioned that with Terry. I don't. Yeah, think we, we did. They don't reprint them a lot anywhere. Like the only I think trade of the, any of those I have is. Um, like that Wolverine Weapon X origin. Weapon X, yeah. Well, it's going to be quite big as well because um, from our discussion with Terry, he did, like, he edited 125 issues of Marvel Comics Presents. So that's a huge undertaking. You're looking at, um, what, one, two, maybe three omnibuses um, worth of material. So that's um, that's a lot of stuff. But I'd love to reread that as well. I mean, there were so many cool stories in it as well. Um, and uh, and I like this anthology because it keeps the story short and very serialized, you know, if I can say that, because yeah. even more so than monthly serialization. I mean, I'm, surpri- I'm so surprised they don't reprint those just because... Mm. I mean, again, he, like you said, at the beginning, they said you always have to have an X character in the book, and then eventually it's like, oh, you always have to have Wolverine in the book. Yeah. So. yeah. yeah but yeah. even like some of those early issues, like I know early days of the Quantum Zone, we reread, I think it's issue 29, with there's a Quasar story. I mm. mean, you have a Black Panther story in there, yeah. Yeah. which was for a while, which I'm surprised, again, you know, with the movies and now, you know, poor Chadwick Boseman, I'm surprised they're not... Yeah reprinting those just for you know the black panther stories and well they i mean unfo- maybe they will unfortunately who knows um they'll probably try and uh i haven't got them yet but I, i'm a big collector of the epic collection some of the loonies know um so there have been two volumes of black panther they may well um release another one with those marvel comics presents in there because uh black panther as in solo adventures go um, they're, they're not as vast as say you know, your Captain America or Iron Man, so they might might look into that. Um, well, Phil, well, before we end up, though, we got. I'm just going to run through some characterizations, what you thought of that, and then how, how, how does that sound? Then we'll go into some ratings. Sounds good. 
Cool, cool. All right, well, um, so we mentioned about um, Frenchie, about him being wheel-bound again. Let's start at the top here. Uh, so what did you think? How did you think Terry handled um, the character, the voicing of, of, of Moon Knight in general? I mean, I think he handled that. I mean, he had the character down. And again, I think, you know, he, he handled it perfectly that, you know, J.M.D. Mateus set it up where, yeah, Mark Spector was going to try to take a less violent way, you yeah. know, going forward with his mission. And, yeah, I think Terry kind of picked that up. Yeah. Uh, well, and even, like, mixing it in with, you know, oh, you know, so I'm going to find new ways to, you know, try to do this, you know, new weapons, new headquarters. Yeah. Yeah, I think he really, I think he really uh, attacked so to speak, like Moon Knight's character with a, with uh, with vigor. You know, I think he he really started to try and create and and shape Moon Knight in the way he wanted to. Uh, he kind of refreshed some old old ideas, some 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 classic ideas, say like Randall Spectre and Conchu and stuff. I think he did very well uh, in that regards. Also, as well, I remember there being there's even like even one little clip a uh, quip, sorry, that Moon Knight makes under his breath. I think as he's fighting the Knights of the Moon. So I like that you get you still get that little bit of dry humor from Moon Knight, but yeah. he's not like your Deadpool or over the top. Um, again, I'm going to reference Damnation, Damnation by Donny Cates. He's not that um, funny, which he, should, he never should be. He's he's kind of got like this really dry sense of humor. And uh, anyway, he does make one or two quips in this, uh, which I think is is pretty on point with Moon Knight. Um, how about the Punisher? What did you think of Terry's portrayal of the Punisher? I mean, I think he got the character spot on, but I mean, it's the 90s, especially on like Punisher guest appearance. You're basically just coming in guns a-blazing because, again, I was rereading some Daredevil for our interview coming up, and it's just, you know, every Punisher guest appearance starts the same way, basically. You know, in yeah. the 90s, he comes crashing through a window, guns already blazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I... I... Yeah, exactly as well. As, as I mentioned at the top of this, um, there were bodies littered everywhere, not only from Randall, but the Punisher had no problems just just offing anyone. Um, oh. What I did, yeah, what I did find a, find a little, and this is just a very small quibble, is that in issue um, 30, 38, um, uh, there's a bit where the Punisher rescues the nurse, right, from, from Randall, and they, they drive away. Maybe I'm wrong, but I would have thought the Punisher would have um, instead of saving the innocents, I thought he'd be more like, I want to kill this guy first. So I wouldn't, or maybe he, maybe he couldn't kill him because he's, he's kind of invulnerable, but I would have thought the Punisher would have, instead of flee, I thought he would have probably tried to kill the, kill him. That's all. I, th- I think, um, you know, sometimes, especially when he's guest starring, I mean, it kind of gets overlooked or just, you know, some people just have, the Punisher is this bloodthirsty killer, but I think a lot of times he sees innocent people. You know, he he thinks of them all. You know, like mm. his family. It's like you know, my family were innocent; they were caught in the wrong place in the wrong time. So I think, yeah, yeah a lot of times the the more well written Punisher, in you know, he's like, okay, let's get the innocents out of the way, and now I kill everybody. Okay, yeah, no, yeah, no, that's a fair point as well. Um, no, true, no, fair enough. Um. I reckon also as well, I think from memory again, because I'm just like flicking through it in my mind, there was a bit as well where it was pretty on the nose as well. I think the Punisher says, oh, you know, you haven't learnt pain unless you've like lost family members who were shot in Central <laughs> It's like, okay, we get it. <laughs> a little, a little, uh, 
a little quick refresher for anyone that doesn't know the Punisher's origin. Okay. <laughs> so oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of times, yeah, he'll, you know, someone will say something and he'll be like, oh, they, no, they were innocent. You know, kind of like a, a woman and children playing in the park at the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah, that was a. Uh, how about Randall? Randall Spector. I mean, so again, we haven't seen much of him. He was only in the Hulk magazine. Uh, do you think he was rounded out well enough as a, as a villain? Yeah, I think, again, well, again, and again, we got him, you know, Terry intertwined him through Moon Knight's origin, so mm. that, but yeah, but again, it's like 90s mustache twirling villain, oh, I faked my death. Yeah, I mean, again, and deaths mean nothing in the in the comic universe, but I, I would have loved that he kind of hung around a, a little bit more. I was a little disappointed that he he died, um, and it didn't. I'm not necessarily had to be so, but he didn't. He didn't die in a, in a grand enough fashion for me. He kind of just uh, fell, and then he was dead. Um, but it was interesting at the end, though. We did see the the uh, the uh, was it the coroner? Yeah, some shadowy figure. So it, it opened it up a little bit that he might he may be resurrected. Yeah, I just that's how I wonder if Terry was setting that up. So yeah, for a resurrection, it's like you know. Yeah, yeah, Randall's in pieces, but hey, little lunar absorber, and yeah, he, you know, he'll be. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was very weird, very off-putting. I think the way that he died, like he was very brittle. Like you saw him on the on the autopsy, the slab, his like leg is kind of crumbled and stuff. It's very a, a very inhuman kind of way. But yeah, no, I, I think he was great. I think he was as as I mentioned. I think this is the strongest version of Randall Specter that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if any, if if anything on par with the, the Hulk magazine one. Um, but I do like this one. I don't know. It's got a bit of 90s flair in it. There's a lot lot more action, you know, so you get you get a bit more bang for your buck here. I mean, Terry gave us a lot in this. I mean, a lot of he action. Did. Also, it's like, yeah, you're setting up the new status quo with, you know, all the equipment yeah. and the headquarters. But also, I mean, he's also given us a new twist on Moon Knight's origin too. Yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's just dropped in quickly like as you mentioned like this could have been drawn out longer but even with the four issues he terry actually gradually implements it all in and it just it's really good i don't know if you haven't read it loonies um and this doesn't persuade you then you should you should be reading it uh if you can find it anyway uh a couple others marlene as well um i thought she had a great opening scene with randall Uh, she was totally kick-ass and uh, it's almost as if it's a um uh, redemption for her because she got uh, stabbed by the we now know the imposter hatchet man yeah. uh, and she's come out stronger for it but um, I love seeing Marlene I, I would have loved to see her even more so uh, involved um, but we didn't get that I mean yeah I, I like when they give Marlene stuff to do you know more than just you know oh hey here's Mark <laughs> you know Marlene he comes home and Marlene's just laying on the bed in <laughs> I like when they give cool. her more to do yeah that's such a such a cliche for Marlene and she's so viciously underused so I found it really good that she she actually put up a really good fight against Randall uh, unfortunately she didn't she didn't get to um, to better him but uh, and she ended up in the hospital basically but uh, it would have been fun if she at least teamed up with Mark a bit more I thought would have been good. Uh, oh, that would have been a good bit if she would have like uh, dressed up like a nurse to get it, you know, try to draw. Yeah, him up. 
Well, we get that. We even get um, bloody the Punisher dressed up as a nurse in there. Remember? And the uh, oh a yeah, couple I love of the security, security guards. Yeah, it takes all <laughs> kinds. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, that nurse looks like the bloody Hulk because <laughs> he's so big. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine that? But um, no, I think that was that was fun. Yeah, but Marlene, not even just a nurse. Maybe just her, just in a in a stealth suit or something. I just love to see her. Just you know, because. She's known to be the the Dusex machina, you know. She's known to pull Mark out of the fire. So, um, but you know, um, it was fun to see her anyway. Uh, look, I'm going to skip the Knights of the Moon. Phil, I don't think there's really much there. How they were portrayed, they're just thugs. They're just like your aim or your Hydra. Um, there's not much more other than the Nephthys, um, which I think she was. We this is her first and only appearance. <laughs> yeah. Well, well. Yeah. Definitely. But yeah. I'm. Yeah. Basically, she was just using Randall to try to get power. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, unless there's anything else, Phil, that you can think of, we can go to our rating system. That's fine with me. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, I um, I'll, I'll leave it to the guests first. Um, and Phil, based on Connishu's rating system, patented rating system, Connishu, thank you very much. What would you give? Mark Spector, Moon Knight, issues 35 to 38, Blood Brothers, The Ark, as a whole. I wanted to do the Connor Shoe rating system because, I mean, well, spoilers, before I even saw your rating, I think I gave it the same thing. So I was just like, okay, so I I know he's probably going to do the vanilla rating system, so let me do the Connor Shoe rating (laughs) system. So yes, yes, I gave it a big uh, 8 out of 10, so I gave it a big, beautiful yellow man. <laughs> Excellent. Um, let me just plug that in before I forget. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Big, beautiful. I'm just going to put in there. Eight out of ten. Awesome. Something that's a very high score, and no surprises as well, Phil. You can see it on the prompt sheet. I give it an eight out of ten as well. A good old waxing gibbous. Um, yeah, this this had it for me. I mean. You and I know, Phil, the 90s can be really up and down. You can have some really good issues. You can have some atrocious, atrocious issues. For the, for me, this is this is really spot on, like four issues. Um, we get a new status quo. We get new costume. Um, everything feels organic. Uh, I, I just loved it. And uh, it's a shame. I, I, I hope, I would love that some of these elements that Terry inv- uh, introduces would be picked up, like in later runs. But unfortunately, like... The way we go now, looking at the Lemire and Bemis run and all that, it, it's I think it's largely forgotten. Yeah, and it's it's, it's so weird because he is like a a rich uh, billionaire, and it's just like yeah, sometimes they like treat him almost like he's Daredevil, just like very street level. And because yeah. like the Terry stuff, I get it. It's like you're a billionaire in the yeah. Marvel universe in the '90s. Why wouldn't you add adamantium to everything? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He actually exploits that. Um, and Mark Spector Moon Knight does about spectacle. If anything, it exploits the Stephen Grant element quite a lot. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, uh, a lot. Of, I'd love to see more of this conchu two conchus thing. Actually, uh, I might be that might be a bit of a hot take, but I think that's pretty cool. Like, and actually having Randall come back uh, again with this origin kind of in place, that would be just brilliant. So yeah, eight out of ten um, loonies. Go check it out if you can. Uh, hunt down your bargain bins for for them or the floppies or your, your back issue section. Um, that's the best way to get it. And hopefully we get a, a com- complete collection at some point. Uh, just quickly, our not lines, um, any feedback? Only one bit of feedback here, Phil. Uh, I'll, I'll give it a shout-out anyway. It was on our Facebook page from Mike Quinn, Looney Mike Quinn, and he says, Mark Spector Moon Knight was my favourite Moon Knight series. Well, Mike... 
you know, that is a, a very valid comment. Uh, it is such a fun run. And there's a lot to pack in, in those 60 issues. Like, you know, um, Phil, Quasar, 60 issues as well. So much happens over the oh, course yeah. of that. Yeah. Um, so thank you very much, Mike, for that as well. Uh, spectacles, just a, a few shout-outs. What I want to do as well, uh, again, a last bit of, of uh, excerpt from our chat with Terry and Howard. Uh, I'll let Terry and Howard talk about um, their company called Ink Smith, which I think is an absolutely awesome idea. So, so here it is from Terry and Howard. I, I will say, just a side note, I have uh, an upcoming Ghost Rider project that's uh, uh, and theoretically going to be coming out in October. Uh, it was originally, it's supposed to come out in July, <laughs> and then again, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, um, mm. pandemic. Uh, so now, oh, I don't mind. Uh, an October release is just as good for me, especially given that it's Ghost Rider. That's cool. Uh, but I'm, I'm reunited with my the the original uh, Ghost Rider artist that I worked with, Javier Tavares, and oh. it's just a one shot. Yep. But it uh, will be out in um, in I think. <laughs> you know, all things go well, and we are uh, <laughs> shut down again yeah. uh, in, in in October. Okay, and cool. Terry? Um, also, we should mention that Howard and I consulted on a project for Disney Plus last year. Okay. Uh, Marvel Hero Project. Ah. Uh, which you can find on the Disney Plus streaming network channel, whatever it's called. Um, we consulted on that. It was a lot of fun. It was interesting. We consulted on the custom comic books that were created for the kids that were oh, cool. spotlighted in the series. And uh, Howard and I have launched a new company now called Inksmith, I-N-K-S-M-Y-T-H. Mm-hmm. Snuck the word myth into it. Uh, you can find it at inksmith.com. Uh, we create custom comic books oh, wow. as gifts for people. We thought this was a particularly appropriate time to launch. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, since people still want to celebrate others but can't necessarily get together and do it in the way they would with a party. Mm-hmm. Um, this is another way to do it, and it can still be shared with a large number of people. We have access to very most of the top creators in the industry, so we've done uh, three of these already and are working on our fourth. It's a brand new company. We're working on our fourth, and I believe we have a fifth coming up right behind it. Fantastic. So check it out at inksmith.com. Yes, you heard Terry Kavanagh and Howard Mackey. They're talking about Inksmith, uh, their company, boutique comic um Phil, I, I, this is awesome. Such an awesome idea. You know who I saw was one of their clients? Um, hmm. John Krasinski. Oh. Um, yeah. They actually did a, a comic based on him. If you go on the website, you can see how they incorporate references of, of John Krasinski's um, life, I guess, because it's really like a testament to someone's like life and achievements. Um, so go check it out as well. And also, I shan't, shan't forget... <laughs> um, Howard Mackey, October Phil. So Howard mentions vengeance. Now, hopefully, the pandemic hasn't bum steered this, but um, Howard has confirmed that in October uh, there'll be a, a, a Ghost Rider 
uh, comic, a one-shot, I believe, uh, on vengeance. His, um, as Howard puts it, his venom to to Ghost Rider's Spider-Man. Oh yeah, I, hope I, yeah, I, hope I, I said that right. In the nineties, everybody got their, uh, you know, Captain America got U.S. Agent, Thor got yeah. Thunderstrike, Iron Man got War Machine. Yes, Vengeance was Ghost Riders. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, keep your eyes peeled for that, uh, Loonies, and I will be um, plugging all of that as uh, as it as the the, the date nears. Um, so Phil, a big thank you for for coming on. It's been a blast. It's great to talk about this arc. Hey, it's always a great pleasure talking to you, old man. <laughs> two months before, older. Two months two older. Months older <laughs> the older man. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't let you go without um, just hearing about uh, where people can find you and, and a plug for all your great shows. So uh, why don't you tell the fair loony listeners? Well, of course, yeah, you can hear us talking like Ray says way too much on the Capes and Lunatics <laughs> podcast and the Capes and Lunatics Sidekicks podcast. Go subscribe to that because, yes, that's where uh, Ray was gracious enough to give me uh, more audio for uh, the ter- you know, of our talk with Terry and Howard. So mm-hmm. if you want to hear all about the Clone Saga, yeah, check out the next episode of uh, Ultimate, Sp- or, yeah, Ultimate Spider-Cast at the end of the month. And yeah, just stay tuned to the podcast for our interviews with uh, yeah DG Chichester, Kelly Thompson, and even towards the end of October uh, for UTC fans, we're gonna uh, my co-host Kristen and I are gonna be talking to uh, Cal Higgins on his uh, new Fifty Two Nightwing run. So oh, nice, nice one. Mm-hmm. Cause you you had uh, Devin Grayson right on yes. not that long ago. Yeah, awesome. Oh, yeah, that's love it. That's great stuff. Awesome stuff. Um, all these details, loonies, will be in the show notes where you can contact Capes and Loonies, uh, Capes and Lunatics, or where you can find their shows as well. A, a little recommendation from me: go check out their shows, which drop on YouTube, um, or actually go check them out on the live stream and troll them while I while Phil <laughs> does the show. It's heaps of fun. Yeah, you, 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 I mean, yeah, we have a YouTube channel. You, su- you could please go subscribe. But, uh, yeah, you can watch the live stream on our Facebook page and uh, or our Twitter page or our Twitter account. So, Yeah, excellent stuff. All right, then. Um, next phase, Looney's episode 163. We're still – we're back. We're back, baby, with Moon Knight. So uh, it's going to be a waning crescent. Uh, and we'll be looking at a Lunapic classic run. So we're going back to the Doug Mensch, Bill Sienkiewicz uh, era. Moon Knight, Volume 1, Issue 15. Uh, so join us for that next week. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, as mentioned at the top of the show, uh, please consider um, becoming a, a Patreon member. Um, just check us out on patreon.com slash Knight. There's a lot of incentives there, exactly like uh, an exclusive you know, two-hour chat with with two of uh, the comic industries, uh, comic sorry, legends of the comic industry, uh, like Terry Kavanagh and and Howard Mackey. So plenty, plenty there uh, to check out. Um, please consider it. Also, Hello Headphones, a big shout out again to them. If you use the code ITK Moon Knight, you'll get ten percent off their online store. And Dreamland Comics in Illinois, if you use the code Moon you'll get a whopping 20% off, so please consider that as well. Um, 
Also, we're affiliate members to Entertainment Earth, so get your action figures um, through the link in our show notes, and uh, and any a little bit of that will go our way to help prop up the show. Uh, finally, we are part of the collective, um, similar to Capes and Lunatics and Capes and Lunatics Sidekicks, uh, a great bunch of podcasts here, uh, just supporting each other, um, bouncing ideas, coming on to each other's shows, just like this, Phil. So. Um, yeah, so really good. Check them all out as well. If you like Phil's dulcet tones, definitely check out his shows. Uh, Deadpool, Quasar, Nightwing, Spider-Man, it's all there. Uh, also, uh, other shows like Resurrections by Al, um, which is a Thanos and Adam Warlock podcast. And I'm going to shamelessly plug a new podcast that um, I'm doing with Saren from Adelan Rising. It's To Know Her Is To Fear Her, a Spider-Woman podcast all a lot of fun and again all in the show notes finally you can contact us on email at itkmoonlight at gmail.com we're also on facebook twitter instagram youtube discord get vocal all that pizzazz uh put chaser as well um that's a pretty good platform um so yeah uh and if you don't mind uh we we got a a, a rating a review uh last week which was very uh, Java hoedown, which was very much appreciated. Uh, if you want, please leave us a review. Uh, it helps us kind of get out there a bit more and um, other loonies to find us. So um, all good. Um, big thanks again, Phil. Thanks again. We got you at a good time. It's a it's a it's a decent time in the morning. Yeah, gonna have oh, you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Saturday morning. It's yeah, it's a good time. I probably kept you up way too late, but no, that's all right. What what do you what do you got planned um, for the rest of the day today? Ah, uh, just some family time, a couple more podcasts, you know. Oh, nice one, nice one. Yeah, 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 excellent. I, I know which ones are coming up. I'm privy to the calendar. Anyway, a huge oh. thanks to Phil, and uh, and thank you once again, loonies, for listening, and as always, may Conchu watch over the denizens of the night. See you later. Sounds like a plan, Jan. and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.